You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Cock, and this program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. And in it, I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And I'm very happy to say that my guest for the last program of this year is a very distinguished person, Francis Antuni, who is the director of the Helen Sussman Foundation. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me to come on the program. It's a great pleasure. And I think uh, before we go any further, you should tell us what the Helen Sussman Foundation is and what it does. It was founded in uh, 1993 really to honor Helen's uh, life's work uh, and her legacy. And it really uh, arose out of uh, the Frederick Nauman uh, Foundation taking the initiative. And it's been there since then. And what we do in terms of our mandate is to defend our constitutional democracy, uh, human rights, and above all, the rule of law. That is what we we focus on, uh, and we focus on it in various ways. Uh, so we do research uh, around particular topics. We do uh, advocacy around those same topics. And sometimes uh, when the advocacy indicates that we should take it further and we don't have any luck, uh, with the powers that be, we go to court. And so litigation is also part of our, our, our brief and our mandate. But you've come to it uh, as director of it now. Yes. How long have you been director? Just over 10 years, about ten 11 years. years yeah. But you've come by quite a circuitous route. I would just, <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> Uh, because off air before the program began, you were telling me that you you started life as a wannabe pianist. Uh, yes, I, I quite a serious wannabe pianist. A, a serious wannabe pianist. Um, that's true. I I grew up in Kronstadt, which is a curious town full of interesting people, uh, and as most young kids in. Kronstadt, I had some exposure to music uh, via the schools, via family, that sort of thing. And uh, I was fortunate to have two very different but very distinguished teachers in Kronstadt as a, as a youngster of 11 years old or whenever I really started. The first one was a man called Teasdale Griffiths, uh, who was a very impressive general musician. He wasn't really the pianist, I don't think. But he had studied with Tobias Matte in at the Royal Academy uh, during the First World War, if I remember correctly. So there was a whole approach to piano playing which derived from that English school, let's call it that. Uh, there were some other very distinguished pianists. Myra Hess came from the same school. And so one grew up with that tradition and then he moved to Johannesburg and oh, when I was a youngster. Uh, but it was a bit awkward because I would come up once a month or so for lessons, uh, catching the train on a Saturday morning. And uh, it was then that my parents decided I should really see somebody in Kronstadt and 
the man who I saw then uh, was a man called Blake Turin, uh, who was a very distinguished pianist, um, and he focused on the piano. And his t- approach to uh, technique was quite different to anything that I'd uh, uh, learned at, with Tisdale Griffiths. He had been a pupil of Solomon, the great Solomon. Uh, after the Second World War, he'd studied in Paris with Marcel Champy, and it's, it was a totally different way, uh, approach to, to the technical problems of the piano. So there, this 14 or 15-year-old youngster had been now confronted with the two great schools in piano playing, Godelpus Krunstadt. So Krunstadt was the center of the universe, musical universe. Well, it was an amazing start, but I think let's uh, begin the program with your first choice of music, which you suggested should be the Magic Flute Overture. Yes. And here it comes. This is the Magic Flute Overture by Mozart. That was the Magic Flute Overture by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and the conductor was Ricardo Muti. Uh, a fantastic piece. I, I just wonder, every time I hear that now, I think back to William Kentridge's production here. Yes. I don't know if you saw it, did yes, you? Yes, I did. Which was very special. It was. And I was quite involved in one way and another with that. And it always reminds me of that production, which was extraordinary. Uh, you obviously listen to a lot of music because, as people will hear as we go on, your choices are very particular in many cases. You'll notice there's no Brahms, and I'm a great <laughs> Brahms man. And it was only as an afterthought I, I put in J.S. Bach. I thought, I can't go on a, a program like this and not play some Bach. And uh, I, I, I nearly said uh, any of the 48 preludes and fugues or any of the suites or any of the partitas, just do what you want to. And if we can, what about the St. Matthew Passion? <laughs> Which I've heard you conduct. Yes, yes. I have no. a couple of times. Yes. Um, but obviously, I mean, you've moved away from music now. Yes. Um, but you, it took you quite a long way. I it mean, you, you, were, you went overseas to study. I, I studied there, in, in mostly in London, uh, with a very fine, a very great teacher, Kendall Taylor. I was also farmed out on occasions when he was doing overseas uh, teaching spells in China or Canada. Uh, Once I was farmed out to uh, Alfred Brendel, which was very interesting. Uh, And I made mischief there because we did the last three sonatas of Of Beethoven. Beethoven. And uh, (laughs) the oddest thing was that uh, I used to... I, I had prepared them already many years before and had studied them with Taylor as well and then took them to Brendel and Brendel suggested in certain passages which are the, where the texture is quite thick that um, you need to have the pulse coming out of the left hand but not all the notes. Uh, there's one particular passage and he suggested I just sustain the, the, the middle note in the triad. <laughs> and I went back to Kendall Taylor and said, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Brendel suggests that I do this, and he was very upset. So, you know, I mean, you, you know, you're 22 uh, yeah. years old and you're making mischief. <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously, at some stage you veered away from music. Yes. Uh, and when did that happen and why? Uh, I injured my hand, uh, and uh, there were some things that I knew that I could never do, uh, and the the wrist had taken a great strain. Uh, 
as well, and I thought it best to to stop, which was a pity because I'd already played in, London, in, in public. I felt that I was beginning to be confident about my playing in public, and I had extraordinary some some successes there, and I was very pleased about that. But I thought it's it's no good this, so one must do something, and that's when I. Uh, got myself into bigger difficulties coming back to South Africa, buying, because I, 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 I didn't know what to do, and I thought I must do postgraduate work. I had done uh, undergraduate work at, at, at WITS, politics, philosophy, and then law, um, and I thought I've got to do postgraduate work, and uh, but I wanted to do it overseas. So I managed to scrape some money together and bought a, a Hockney, and uh, Reine Cassero was fantastic. I said, I've now got myself into deep double. I was a youngster. I said, now I'm going to sell it. Will you help me? And he said, yes. And I sold it on the basis of that. Uh, the proceeds, I, I went off and did a master's in the area that I wanted to do. And where was that? In England. In politics and philosophy? But, uh, and yeah, international. And yeah. economics as well? Yes, international economics. And, okay. that was, and my supervisor was a fellow South African, Jack Spence. And that set you on your new path. Yeah, and then yeah. I came back to South Africa, got a lecturing post at WITS, went to Natal, uh, to Peter Maritzburg, which I thought at the time was the my colonial exile, which was terrible. And in retrospect, it was a fantastic 12 years there. As a lecturer? As a lecturer, yeah. yes. So let's listen to your next choice now. And you mentioned Bach uh, just a little earlier. And we're going to hear the Prelude and Fugue in D minor from book one of the 48, because we couldn't play all the 48. <laughs> and this is Sviatoslav Richter performing. That was the Prelude and Fugue in D minor from book one of the 48 Preludes and Fugues by Johann Sebastian Bach. The performer was Sviatoslav Richter. It's the choice of Francis Antony, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. He's the director of the Helen Sussman Foundation. So that was your lecturing history. You First you were in pianos and music, then you went to lecturing. In, uh, what, what were you a lecturer in, actually? Uh, really, politics uh, as the first focus. You were obviously always interested in that. Yes, always. Uh, Still am. Yeah. Uh, I think I make my living out of it now, but it was it, it was a good thing to be able to do it. The 1980s were a very difficult time. They were an interesting time, never to be repeated. But it it was tense, and it was difficult. And people one knew were being murdered, and and it was a difficult time. And but we we got through that. And uh, in the meantime, I, I, I carried on lecturing. Uh, I began to write music again because I hadn't written since I stopped playing the piano. And there were some very positive spin-offs there. Because composition was one of my important subjects. Uh, and that was exciting. And uh, then came the big changes in, in the early 90s. And one felt you know, the, the enthusiasm then. And that's when I decided to, that I needed to go and do further, further studies because there were some things I knew nothing about. 
in terms of business, in terms of how we were going to develop this country. And that's when I got a Shevening Fellowship. Uh, and that was... And what did that entitle you to? Uh, well, really, it was enormously generous of uh, the Foreign Office. And they said, what do you want to go and do? They were looking for young leaders. And I said, well, I think I'd like to go and do uh, an MBA. And I don't think they'd ever given anybody any money for an MBA. And they said, why? And then I said, well, because I, th- I don't know enough about this stuff. But if we are going to have to, we are going to have to address uh, historic legacies, we're going to have to do it either via the state, which is not going to address anything or very little, or it's going to be via the, the business sector. And I think it must be the latter. And they said yes. And nobody was more surprised when I went off and did an MBA. I mean, this is very far from home, yeah. so to speak. And I'm very pleased that I did that. Came back to South Africa and was recruited into Standard Bank and uh, to be senior economist and then head of policy and also to be the assistant to Conrad Strauss. And so through, through the, 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 that position, I began to learn a lot. It was a tough initial uh, <laughs> few months and years, uh, about business, about banking, and I'm very grateful to that. And, but uh, also about life, I guess. I didn't know there was life <laughs> in the bank. <laughs> but no, there was, uh, yeah. I learned a lot about yeah. myself also. Yeah, yeah, also. Yeah. Uh, and it was different. I, I, I was very fortunate. I was, in that sense, very privileged that I was exposed to that. Uh, but you had to perform. And Conrad Strauss, whom I is a... a good and dear friend now, and subsequently we started Strauss & Co. Um, I was the first MD of it. We put it together. Um, And Stefan Veltz came on board. And it was a fantastic uh, experience working with Conrad in two different uh, environments, one in the bank and one in the art auctioneers. Well, we'll come to that in due course, but let's hear your next choice of music now, which is by Cristobal de Morales, Parche Me Domine. That was Parche Me Domine, conducted by John Elliot Gardner, the composer Cristobal de Morales, rather different from all the other music on your list. It is. Uh, I, the pre-Bach music was always, for me, a mystery. Uh, when you study counterpoint, especially... Uh, you begin with, at the beginning. There's lots of palestrina. But these are always exercises. You, you see them. In, uh, some years ago, I did the Camino. And this is from a track uh, called Santiago. Uh, to Compostela. Yeah. Yes, to Compostela. Um, and John Elliot Gardner had gone on tour with the Monteverdi Choir through Spain. And I listened to this on my return, and nothing captured that uh, that that, uh, th- that pilgrimage as much as that in my memory. And this piece, I just don't know why it's not better known. It is it is an extraordinary, beautiful yeah. composition. Well, there we are. We've given everyone an opportunity to yeah. listen to it here on yeah. Classic 1027. The, my most abiding memory of that, and I didn't do the Camino, but I did go to Santiago de Compostela. Yeah. Uh, where they had that giant 
uh, furable going back and forth <laughs> to sense this great – was it happening when it you were there? It was happening there. I'm very pleased to, see, to tell you yeah. that it's still there. It hasn't yet crashed on anybody uh, and uh, – I don't think it's ever caught fire, but yeah. nothing would surprise me. But just for the for the listener's sake, it's a gigantic uh, incense, burner. incense burner, yeah, yeah, which needs to be hauled up by about four people, yes, and then swung with enormous vigor above the heads of the hundreds of people below. And if it captured one of them on the head, they would be smashed to pieces. Actually, this vast, heavy thing. I think it is a sight to see. And <laughs> it <everyone>, certainly is. <laughs> they don't do it at every pilgrim mass. Yeah. But uh, I'm very pleased to say that I've seen it. And I was a bit awed by it all. And I thought, those little cinders falling on people's hair. I don't know. No, it, it's but really it's, rather. It's, it's, a wonderful, it's, a, 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 it's a wonderful setting, that. Yeah. Mm. And perhaps that le- leads us on to the next piece, uh, which is by Henry Purcell. Mm. Now, um, this is when I am laid in earth. The most fantastic uh, funeral ode, really, on a ground bass. Just the the most perfect piece, and it's sung by Janet Baker. That was when I am laid in earth from Dido and Aeneas by Henry Purcell. The singer there was Janet Baker. What a wonderful piece that is. I think I I. Uh, it's as you said earlier. Mm. It's quite a perfect piece. There are not many perfect pieces. No, that's one of them. One of them. Uh, another one comes down the line. I hope. I first heard uh, Janet Baker when I was a, a student of Kendall Taylor's, and he insisted I go and hear her singing the Rookett Leader. And uh, there was one seat left in the whole Nash, uh, in the whole Royal Festival Hall, and it was five pounds. And I thought, you know, that's my lunches for a whole week and I said no I'm not going to do this so I went (laughs) and I went off and I felt guilty as I got to the door and I went back and I bought it and I remember she she gave that performance of the Rookert Leader and I remember Edo Devart was conducting the orchestra and they did Gabrielli first and the Tchaikovsky fifth afterwards lovely program and there was Janet Baker I remember thinking, sitting in the front row, you'd better be bloody good because I'm going to go hungry this week. (laughs) (laughs) She she gave this performance of the Rookert Leader, and I was stunned. I must have looked very odd. Then I was sitting in the front row, not even applauding. I just sat there, stunned. Subsequently, I told her about the story. She said, but five pounds was a fortune in those days. I said, yes, I went hungry. <laughs> and she, was, she was, took it all in good faith. I like her a lot. She's a very round voice. She sings yeah, it beautifully. Beautiful. Actually, I'm quite interesting, interested that many of the pieces you've chosen are sort of more reflective pieces. You like slow movements. Well, according to what you've chosen, you like slow movements. You like rather intense uh, performances of things, for example, uh, her singing where corals lie and the Mahler. We're going to hear the Mahler now. Oh, okay. This is Ich bin der Welt abhanden gekommen. This is by Mahler. I don't think it's Janet Baker singing, but it is the right piece. It's the right piece. That was one of the Rückert Lieder by Mahler, Ich bin der Welt abhanden gekommen. The choice of Francis Antony, who is the director of the Helen Sussman Foundation. He's my guest in People of Note. Perhaps, uh, Francis, we better come on to the fact that you do now run the 
Helen Sussman Foundation, which really stands. Uh, I see Helen Sussman's quote is at the bottom of the the emails you send. I stand for simple justice, equal opportunity, and human rights, the indispensable elements in a democratic society, and well worth fighting for. And I guess that's what you do now. Mm. And how do you do that? <laughs> irritating by irritating people, <laughs> whether it's the donor community, uh, my colleagues, my trustees. Uh, we, uh, I think of ourselves uh, of the foundation really as as not only honouring Helen's legacy, but honouring her practice. Um, and one of our jobs is to ask the dif difficult questions, whether we tackle those questions in our research or in our advocacy, and uh, also in the courts. And we've had a, a very successful run, I think, over many years of taking up public interest litigation and uh, using the opportunity that we have in the courts to hold those people who are in power accountable. Can you give us an example of that? I mean, is there something current going on? Well, uh, yes, tomorrow. I, uh, <laughs> uh, this is this dead period between Christmas and New Year. Normally, we just close the office. And I just say to people, go, and it's not your leave. It's just that we've run out of ideas and whatnot. But tomorrow... Uh, there's a hearing in the Constitutional Court, and it's been, it's been brought by uh, Deputy Chief Justice Zondo in his capacity as chair of the uh, Commission of Inquiry into State Capture. And really, it's, it's to approach the Constitutional Court for a declarator, uh, now that Mr. Zuma, the former president, has simply decided to walk away from the Commission. He has no right to do that. And I think Mr. Uh, Zonda is wanting clarity on the scope uh, of, of his actions that he may want to take uh, and that he's permitted. The unfortunate thing about the Act is that it was passed in 1947 and it's never been amended. And so the, the most that uh, you can get uh, from a judge if you violate the Act is, is, is a 50-pound fine. Um, well, I don't think that's a bit of a problem. I think it's a hell of a problem in some ways. Uh, so I think that act has to be re-looked at as well, but they can't do that in the court. So that's we're going in as amicus tomorrow, and so let's hope that that goes well. We have... Um, and that's why I always keep... Uh, and my... my, my Colleagues are very good about this. I say we only close the office on the 24th uh, because something will happen between the 16th and the 24th. And initially they didn't believe me. And some years ago, uh, Lieutenant General Anwar Dramat was suspended on the 23rd. He was the head of the Hawks. And I just thought, hang on, we've spent two years fixing this matter up, and the new uh, minister has appointed Mr. Ntlemeza, and I, this is unlawful. But there's a reason why it happens at that time. I know that there's a reason. 
we, we learned from the old Nats that everything is done between uh, the 16th and Christmas because nobody's at home. Yeah, everyone's on holiday. Uh, and yeah. that's why we keep the office open until then. Yeah. Uh, and we took on the Inflameza matter. We organized our papers, and within just over a week, we had everything sorted out, and we won on the 8th of January. We won, and that was put aside. And then came the slog stuff of another year and a half, nearly two years of getting rid of Mr. Inflameza. Uh We launched that big case in on the Wednesday, and uh, on the Sunday, it was the Sunday before Easter, Palm Sunday, uh, our offices were raided and our computers stolen. Uh, and it was not a nice time. I don't know if there's any connection between yeah. the two. But how uh, we know that legal cases are not cheap. So how is this all funded? Let, let's listen to a piece of music, a long piece. <laughs> let's listen to the, the slow movement of the Schubert string quintet, because that's a beautiful piece. It is a bit longer, but it's appropriate now. It'll give us time to think about the answer to that question. So here comes the slow movement of the Schubert string quintet, a beautiful piece, the choice of Francis Antony. That was the slow movement of the string quintet by Franz Schubert, chosen by Francis Antony, who's been having a little time to think about where all the funding comes from, or do lawyers help you pro bono? These are serious cases, though, and they take a lot of time. They take a lot of time, they take a lot of energy, uh, and we've been very, very fortunate uh, because there's no ways we could fund these cases ourselves. Uh, in fact, no NGO could, I think. Uh, and no matter how generous our donors are, and they are generous, but we need more donors, so that's my marketing ploy, uh, done. Um, we have built up with uh, Weber Wenzel a, a remarkable relationship of, of uh, joint work. We do the research, we take it to them, we argue why we think this is important. I uh, go along and say, you believe in the rule of law, don't you? They say, yes, why, and this is a rule of law case. At the end of the day, it must come down to that. And, uh, <laughs> and we've got our trustees uh, to uh, negotiate with as well. And uh, they agreed to take it on pro bono. And uh, we've also been very, very fortunate in terms of counsel. We've had for many years David Unterhalter on our, one of our trustees. Uh, he uh, has gone to the, the bench now, so he's no longer a trustee and he can't appear in court. Uh, but David did some really very, very, very important cases. Cases which I'm prepared to say have changed the constitutional jurisprudence of our country. Uh, and I'll talk about one or two of those in a moment. Uh, he was always assisted by uh, very able juniors. Leading the those that charge was um, Max Duplessis, who's now a senior ca uh, counsel, and also the professor of international and constitutional law at Durban, and he's a senior counsel, and uh, he's on a, a, our board of trustees, and he does our cases. We, we sometimes go beyond that. Other senior counsel we've used, uh, also on a pro bono basis, 
have been some of the most eminent in the country. Uh, and, and, and we do have eminent lawyers. Very eminent yes. ones. And, and uh, the juniors are very keen to come in on this on a pro bono basis. So uh, I, I, we've been able to create uh, an interest in these cases because they are amongst the most exciting. Uh, the first big one was the Glenister case, which we were the... We were the amicus there, and it was our argument that the, the Constitutional Court listened to. Uh, I'll never forget when we, when I was sitting in the court and judgment was read by, the short judgment by Dikha Mosaneke, I remember thinking about a minute into this, thinking to myself, oh my God, we've won, now what? <laughs> we've never looked back. Another case which was very important was the, when we sued the Judicial Service Commission, and that's a, that's a big thing to sue. Uh, you're suing the body that creates the judges. Um, this is a controversial case uh, within the organization. I think uh, there was quite st- strong differences of opinion, uh, but eventually we went ahead and we did it. And it took us five and a half years to get the the ruling just in terms of access to information, uh, having lost all the way. And uh, I remember uh, some of my colleagues and others saying, why are you continuing this with this? Uh, just give up. You know, you've lost, you've lost, you've lost. How many times do you lose? I said, we get, at the end of the day, it's the constitutional court that has to rule. And we, we got it. And we got it. And that case now has become the basis of a whole set of other cases in terms of appointments, appointments processes. And we have a case now before the SCA where we assisted uh, a magistrate who had been disqualified on the grounds of race. Um, and uh, that's what we did in apartheid. We're not going to do it again. And it's, that's a simple line. Uh, there may be other arguments that can be brought, but not on the grounds of race. And so that case was interesting because uh, one wanted the documentation and they said no. And I said, haven't you read your case HSF versus the JSC? And they hadn't. The, the documentation came very soon after that. So well, one, has to, one has to hold help people to account. Yeah. And that's what your job is at yeah. the Helen Sussman Foundation. Well, after that... Uh, let's listen to some really cheerful spring music. This is part of the, the first movement of the Spring Sonata by Beethoven. And here it comes. Wonderfully cheerful music from Beethoven uh, in his, the, well, the last, the second last day of his 250th year. <laughs> so it's appropriate that we play some Beethoven. That was the first movement of the Spring Sonata, the choice of Francis Antuni, who's my guest in People of Note. Mm-hmm. And in general, Francis, um, where do you think we are on a sort of scale of 1 to 10 in terms of uh, maintaining our liberal democracy in South Africa? I wasn't briefed that there were going to be tough questions today. (laughs) Uh, Because um, that's really what we're talking about, is we've got a liberal, quasi-liberal democracy here. Where are we? on that, those scales? Uh, Are we doing okay? Maybe that's a simpler question. I don't think we're doing okay. No. 
Uh, that's the first thing. The second is we are there are too many structural problems within our society, within our polity, uh, that we need very strong and decisive leadership to tackle these. And sometimes these decisions to, uh, are going to be difficult decisions by a political elite. Uh, we've seen important initiatives uh, and taking place around the NPA, for example. People may remember Sean Abrams. Um, well, we don't remember Sean Abrams anymore. So that there are initiatives there. Uh, Hermione Cronier is looking at the issues of, of, of you know, coming out of the, uh, the Zonda Commission uh, to take people to court. This is the beginnings of restoring our polity to something which we need. But the bigger question uh, at this point, I, I would say, is, is a question of legitimacy uh, when it comes to the politics. Uh, we've gone through uh, more than a decade of, of, of really suffering very, very severe blows to the body politic. And I hope that we can get through. This is not about party politics. It's about do we have uh, the integrity in our institutions and the people running the institutions uh, to get us to help us get through this period. And, and the jury's out there. I, I haven't given up. Uh, it just means we've got lots of work to do, both as the, from the NGO perspective, civil society, from the people. Uh, from the uh, from the institutions themselves, that's one aspect of it. In some ways, the more challenging problem is the economy. Uh, it's not the only game in town, but it's very important. If we cannot create the jobs for our people, um, our constitutional democracy uh, will not be respected. It's the framework within which this must be done. And, uh, and the two go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. And my, my concern is always the populists. Uh, they will come up with radical solutions about confiscation or expropriation and what does it mean? And we, we interrogate those things over many years, uh, like land, for example. Obviously, and I say this with with a great deal of passion, the issue of land reform is a, is a complex issue. It's a necessary issue. Uh, how are we going to go about it? Uh, and do we need to change our constitution? We've argued in, 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 in Parliament before the Select Committee that it's not necessary to change the constitution. You change that constitution at your peril. Not saying it can't be done, but once you start tinkering with this, there may be grounds that you can justify, or one may justify expropriation without compensation, but there have to be safeguards. Uh, if I literally stole your property yesterday, I can't be compensated. I mean, that's a, an extreme case. Uh, and if the rule of law is suspended in that process, uh, then we're back to uh, the bad old days. So that's why an organization like the 
Ellen Sussman Foundation, says the rule of law is central to it all. We can do anything as long as it complies with the rule of law. And my hope is that the politicians of various persuasions will remember that. Because if we don't do that, if we subvert the rule of law, we're back in Hobbes's state of nature, of life, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Koch, and my guest is Francis Antony, who's the director of the Helen Sussman Foundation. We're going to have a short piece of music now. This is uh, by Mozart, the wonderful, fabulous Mozart, and it's his motet, Ave Verum Corpus. That was the motet, Ave Verum Corpus, by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, sung by the Belfast Cathedral Choir. It's the choice of Francis Antony, who's my guest in People of Note. You spoke earlier about a perfect piece uh, when you were talking about um, the Purcell. Purcell. Yes. And this is one of those other perfect pieces. And in fact, the Cristobal de Morales is also a perfect piece. So you've got three perfect pieces today. I mean. Well, and Schubert's slow movement is also pretty perfect, I yeah. must say. <laughs> there are quite a few here. Okay. You've chosen many perfect pieces. Okay. Also the Mahler, I think. Mm. Well, not to mention Strauss, which is coming later. Okay. So okay. there are lots of perfect pieces here. Do, do you often listen, sit and listen to music? Or do you listen to music in the background when you're working? Uh, sometimes in the background. I mean, for example, here, what, what is remarkable about this list, because you, you, it's an impossible task that you, you, you pose. <laughs> uh, there's no Brahms here. There's no Vivaldi. I have a great love for Vivaldi. I have a great love for, for Handel, the Baroque music. And never mind the, the, the stuff that Jordi uh, Saval has dug up for us, uh, the Catalonian music. It's, it's just wonderful. There's the Spanish music. Huh? Actually, there's endless music. Yeah, uh, there's all, the yeah. all the pre-Bach music. Yeah. So maybe you should have a sort of... Uh, and there's no, none of the contemporary music here. Uh, like, uh, Stravinsky. Stravinsky. I mean, I don't know what you like in the contemporary field. Uh, there's no Bartok here either. No. And uh, the greatest living composer, I still think, is Sofia Gubaidalina. And where is her offertorium? Yeah. It'll scare the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but, so you do, uh, do you still play at all? Just a little bit, just a little bit, just for myself. Yeah. But uh, I- I- if we can get the orchestra going, and uh, then I'll go and play a, a Mozart concerto, or a, I'll invite you, or, <laughs> yes. or a Bach concerto, or something. Now, talking about that, if we can get the orchestra going, or yeah. any orchestras, no. because there's virtually nothing going on at the moment, yeah. where... Where does this sort of um, living by national COVID command councils fit into your world? Maybe not at all. Oh, I, I, were you primed about that question? Not at I'm a all. bit shocked. That's a very good <laughs> question um, because <laughs> we are we're trundling. We, we, we are trundling along the way to the. Um, to the SCA, uh, having lost uh, before the full bench of the uh, the High Court, they didn't award a cost order against us, and I'm very pleased to say that because that's serious trouble. But uh, I can say that uh, we are very, very concerned about this. When the president announced his 
uh, lockdown in terms of the Disaster Management Act. Uh, I remember saying to my colleagues, I don't like this, but we have to support this uh, because there's nothing else we can do because Parliament has risen uh, and he's asked us for three weeks in order to get the public hospitals up and running. That was what it was agreed. 21 days. No problems. Uh, and I said, no, nobody utters a criticism publicly or writes about it. And two weeks after the 21 days, I wrote to the president, and I, I will say this, that we're having a much better response from this administration than from the previous administration. Uh, but unfortunately, he, he never did respond uh, directly to me. He, I remember at the time he he did say that uh, if people wanted to take the matter to court, they could, and so we took it to court. Uh, because, in effect, we've suspended our constitution around this. The Disaster Management Act is not the vehicle to address the COVID pandemic. It should be used for decisive short-term interventions. When the minister decides to give us lessons about how we can smoke or shouldn't be smoking. You know, there's a point of me saying, this is laughable when, uh, and really, she, she, I don't know what's, what is there. One can become conspiratorial and say, uh, who's running the tobacco industry on the side? And I haven't said that. I'm just asking that. And then when uh, Minister Patel starts telling me that I can buy a long sleeve t-shirt but not a short sleeve t-shirt. Uh, this is more appropriate to a command economy uh, and they don't work. We know that. <laughs> there are two, and it's not an ideological position, there are two fascinating judges, uh, both retired off the bench now. One is Lord Sumption, conservative judge. The other is Baroness Hale. Uh, she was president of the court during the Brexit trial cases. And both of them are saying, how can you people just suspend your civil liberties? This is not because I, I, I think it's an onerous burden to wear a mask. Those are issues of public health. Um, but the, the costs involved with this lockdown have been frightening in terms of the economy. Uh, the unemployment, we have very little, in fact, we have no fiscal space. When I think of the hard work that people like Trevor Manuel and Maria Ramos did over many years to create from a very bankrupt apartheid state to a state where we had room to maneuver, and now that is all lost, things are very tight. And I would be very cautious about wanting to rule by decree forever, because both Lord Sumption and Baroness Hale saying, don't do this, about Britain. Okay. Let's listen to some uh, busy music now by C.P.E. Bach. This is the last movement of his cello concerto, and it's Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach. That was the last movement of the cello concerto in A by Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach, the choice of Francis Antony, the director of the Helen Sussman Foundation, who's my guest in People of Note. 
So we are just into the new year, uh, 2021. What are your hopes and fears for this year, 2021? I'm sorry to put you on the spot all no, the no, time. No, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh, the biggest hopes uh, is that I, my family, my friends get through uh, this 2021 uh, safely, safely, uh, and this pandemic is is far bigger than I think we realise. Uh, we we have to take personal responsibility for our own behaviours here, but sometimes these things are just too big. That's the that's the one challenge we face. The other is not unrelated to it is. Uh, Will we survive this coming year economically uh, as a country, uh, as individuals? Uh, how do we try and address this uh, collectively and individually again? And it's, it's this. Uh, I'd like to see also more mobilization uh, of civil society groups, church groups, um, where... It's not so much a set of demands as a set of of priorities about caring for people. That's what we need. We need to have a, a more caring society. Are people getting tired of being mobilized? I think people are just getting tired. And I think mobilization is the problem. One of the things that uh, strikes me is that how, how silent the churches are. And I don't understand this. When I, uh, when I go back to the 80s, and how there was extraordinary leadership. And very vocal leadership. Very vocal, extraordinary. I mean, there were people like Archbishop Tutu, Archbishop Hurley, Baez Nadir. These, these people had very clear ideas about their moral position. It seems to me now I don't know what's going on. Uh, and that's a lack of leadership. And it's a lack of, uh, of conviction as well. So... Those are some of the, 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 the fears that I have around the challenges. Uh, last year, oh, sorry, yeah, it was last year in May 2020, I, uh, was, I was going to do a bucket list thing. They were doing the Mahler symphonies in Amsterdam for 10 days, and I thought, what the hell? It was cancelled, and it's now been postponed to this year, May uh, 2021. I don't think I'm going to be there. No, no I don't think so either. Yeah. And in fact, uh, when I look at schedules of American orchestras, yeah. they're not planning to start till September. No. Uh, and if then. If then. Yeah. So, so th there it is. We've got the vaccine on its way. We yeah. don't know what it's, it's, it's about. And now the, the virus starts changing anyway. Uh, mutating. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a variant uh, now. Uh, we're in, a, we're in a world we don't quite understand, yeah. and I think we've got to have a sense uh, to to manage this thing. Yeah. And my, uh, I have a choirs which I run, and the the doctors. There are several doctors in these choirs. They say, don't, don't because yes. we don't know enough about this thing. Yeah. Isn't it? It's quite scary. It's very scary. So this is what <laughs> what we're looking forward to in. 
2021. But we do have wonderful music to listen to, and we can listen to your next choice now, which is another slow movement. I told you you chose lots of slow movements. It's the Piano Concerto Number 14 by Mozart. That was the slow movement from the Piano Concerto Number 14 by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, the choice of Francis Antony, my guest in People of Note. And we've got a couple more pieces of music to listen to. Um, and I'm just interested to know, Francis, when you're, we're, we're going to go away from all the serious stuff. Now, uh, when you're not doing your serious stuff, what do you like doing? Or do you, do you just do serious stuff? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you obviously like listening to concerts. I like listening to, I really like listening yeah. to concerts. Uh, and music. you like going to concerts. I like going to concerts. Uh, um, I, I, one of the things that uh, I like doing is reading. Uh, I like playing sudukas. I like playing chess. Uh, I like cooking for my family and friends. I like gardening. Well, you might have liked traveling, but there's not so I, much I, of that. I love break. traveling. I love traveling. But that's come to an end for a while. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the big question is, do I go down to Cape Town now <laughs> for a, a few weeks break or or, or not? As And that's becoming an existential uh, question, a yeah. uh, profound one. Uh, what do I like doing? Uh, um, I like sleeping as well. <laughs> I like sleeping. Uh, the world for me is an interesting place. I, I like engaging with it at various levels. We haven't spoken anything about uh, my interest in the, in the art world. I found it fascinating. Um, I take as many of my younger colleagues, especially, to the art exhibitions so they can learn about these things. When I was studying with Taylor, uh, one of the important and perhaps challenging pieces in, in all of Bach is the C minor partita, you'll know. The first three movements are like a triptych, and they're all connected. And I was making no sense of this. And he suggested that that Saturday I go to the National Gallery. This is before the, um, the, the Sainsbury Wing was built, to look at the triptychs and the diptychs. And you must look at them. There's a visual thing there. They belong together find out how these pieces belong. And it was a very, very important lesson. So there I am watching, looking at these pictures, which I had no idea what they were about, trying to make sense of them in order to make sense of Bach. Where did you get your interest in art from? Was it through Conrad Strauss? Or had you always been interested? No, I'd always been interested. Uh, uh, um, I, I started trading when I was 21. <laughs> yes, well, you said you sold something in order to yes, finance your studies. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, with, and so uh, there were people who helped, uh, who enlightened one. Uh, Rainer Casera was he was very good with young people. Uh, Stefan Wells later he was working for Rainer at the time, uh, and so I, I got and then it, it became an interest in South African art. But it never was confined to South African art. Uh, I think one day I, I hope I'll have sufficient money and sufficient time and can spend six months or a year in Italy just looking at Quattrocento art. 
That's fine. It's a good so way to that's, speak. that's what you like doing. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we're going to listen to one more slow piece of yours, which is the Nocturne in C minor by Chopin. This is it. That was the Nocturne in C minor by Frédéric Chopin, the second last choice of Francis Antony, who's my guest in People of Note. And actually, while we've been off air, we've been talking about other pieces which he could have chosen, uh, which we haven't been able to. So maybe in some month's time, you can come back for your next choice of music. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I just want to say thank you to you for coming in uh, in your busy schedule uh, to come and talk to us here and perhaps looking back on the year that's gone by, 2020, and looking forward into 2021, um, just to reflect for all of us listeners to reflect. And I just want to say again that you're you're always where, – where do people find out more information about the Helen Sussman Foundation? And if they want to donate, how do they do that? There is a very good website, Helen Sussman Foundation. Uh, our, all our work is there, ways of donating, and you can contact us directly. Uh, our phone numbers are on cell phone. And, and it's always going to be important because the job that you do is – being the watchdog of our constitution. Thank you for saying that. That's a pleasure. And I think it's important that someone is the watchdog. Um, And it gets more and more important as the years go by. And your final choice is a wonderful one. This is a Strauss song, Im Abendrot. And perhaps it's very appropriate because this is the end of the program Mm -hmm. now. Uh, Jessie Norman, I don't know if you've ever heard her live. Yes. You have? Yes. Well, this is her singing now, Im Abendrot by Richard Strauss. That was Im Abendrot by Richard Strauss. The singer was Jesse Norman. And that's the final piece in the program tonight. So I just want to say again, thank you to you for coming on the program. And uh, all strength for the work that you're doing with the Helen Sussman Foundation. May it continue and grow and become stronger as you do this important work in our society. And I just repeat what Helen Sussman said, I stand for simple justice, equal opportunity, and human rights, the indispensable elements in a democratic society, and well worth fighting for. And that's what Francis Antony does at the Helen Sussman Foundation, along with all his staff and the many people who give help to the foundation. Thank you at home for listening. And I'll be with you with Full Works each weekday evening from 6 to 9 still at the moment. And then uh, later in January from 7 to 10. But until tomorrow, from all of us here at Classic 1027, we say a very good night.